Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Five-time Grammy winner B.J. Thomas died today at age 78. I spoke with him just last September to mark 50 years of raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I'm glad to be here. Now, I know uh, it was made for the movie Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which came out in, like, December of 69, but, you know, the, the song mm. really took off in 1970s. Can you believe it's been 50 years, man? <laughs> Well, you know, I really can. I mean, there's been so much drama and uh, ups and downs and, you know, good and bad, like anybody's life. So I, I do get the sense that it's it's been a good a good piece of time. Although now that it's here, it, it, it seems to have gotten here pretty pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a um, uh, distinct um, uh, high point for me. I mean, it, actually, the song came out in October of 69 and it wasn't until the movie came out as a christmas release in uh, in 69 at the that the radio went on the record they had kind of resisted the record because it sounded different to them and there was a lot of you know there was a lot of uh, uh, kind of resistance to the song really but the movie was so was so good that it kicked off the song and then by january 3rd of 1970 it was number one so a great experience for me Absolutely. Um, talk about, uh, you know, the, the genius of the songwriting in that. You know, you had Burke Bacharach, Hal Davis. Oh, Legends. yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, talk about how great were they and sort of the idea that I like how you personify the sun and you're like, you accuse it of sleeping on the job in the second. <laughs> uh, it's just like, but talk about what, what, why the songwriting so good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that of course was Hal David. And, uh, you know, they had, Hal's, of course, Hal and I had many conversations about the, about that song, as well as uh, I've talked with Bert about it many times too. But they had asked Hal to write a frivolous uh, song, just kind of a throwaway song, and uh, and he said, you know, B.J., I don't write frivolous songs. So he did write something that seemingly on the surface was uh, kind of not saying much, but you know, in in the long run and and the way people accepted it, it was. It was saying a, a pretty meaningful, and in fact, a very meaningful thing that, you know, the rain falls on you, but if you're free, uh, nothing's worrying you, you know. So it, it said a, a kind of a distinctly American thing, but it said a great thing, and people identified with it. And, of course, you know, Burt Bacharach is, you know, obviously one of the greatest composers of all time, and... Uh, just the way he composed that melody uh, was, you know, it was it was a unique, different melody. And I knew instinctively, I, and I had been working with Mr. Backrack for a couple of months in New York, trying to find some material we wanted to do a session. 
um, you know, he was heavily involved with the with the Dion Warwick with the separate records, the label I was on. I was selling records. I just had hooked on a feeling, and the, the label asked me to move to New York, and, and they wanted me to work with Bert. And, I, of course, I was anxious to do that. And, uh, you know, we were going looking for songs but really hadn't found anything yet. And then the, the score and the thing with Butch Cassidy came up, the bicycle scene, and so there it was. And it kind of was an obvious choice. And I kind of instinctively knew from the from the get-go that uh, the, his, you know, his compositions – and their songs weren't stuff that you played with. You needed you needed to sing it as it was written. And uh, you know, I was able to do some vocalization and some you know licks maybe here and there on raindrops. But I, I just sang it as much as I could, exactly as he wrote it. And then, of course, on the me on the end, I had a little freedom and I I did that little thing on it. But uh, otherwise, I was kind of sticking to the program, you know. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned the bicycle scene. It it's almost, it kind of it stands out in the movie. It's a, some people think it's sort of like an outlier in the movie, but it all kind of works. And I think it sort of sets the tone that you know this isn't an, isn't a typical you know old cynical western you're going to watch. This thing's going to be a little you know upbeat <laughs> buddy comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, you know, they're on the run and. They finally found a hideout, and they're there with the editing there. You know, they got some freedom, and they're riding a bicycle like normal people. And I, I think it makes sense. But in there, you know, what they were trying to do, and, of course, Redford has said this, Mr. Redford has said this a number of times, that they were making an art film. And, uh, you know, the music, the score was different. It, it, was, it wasn't done with instruments for the most part. It was done with, uh, with uh, pa, 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 kind of a, that just vocalizing things and uh so it was a, it was kind of a different unique uh uh score and the song was different and uh you know so okay i'll give it to him i think it was kind of an art film but it was also one of the best westerns ever made too oh yeah one of my favorites so, wait, talk about the camaraderie between robert redford and paul newman in that i mean the, the way they banter back and <laughs> forth and you know you know what does he say? Drown, help the fall, kill you. <laughs> like they're just the way they banter. The way they banter is so great, and I'm sure that's why they brought him back for the sting too. But talk about you know, let's say there's maybe some younger listeners here on on WTOP. Remind them just how good these two were together, all bantering off each other. Well, you know that, that was Paul Newman and Robert Redford. I mean, they're they're going to handle anything they're they're doing, and it was one of the best. Uh, you know, buddy. Buddy films of all time, and it has, it's got a lot of classic lines in it. Uh, you know, it's funny. I just read recently read a book by Burt Bacharach. He said he never met Paul Newman or Robert Redford or the director George Roy Hill either, and, and I never had have either. So I didn't feel as bad. But I thought over the years I should have at least met those guys. And there were a couple of my shows down through the years that uh, that uh, Mr. Redford was going to be. Uh, was going to attend, but he never did quite make it. So uh, having never met the guys, you know, they're kind of up there, um, you know, in the idol territory. They're one of the, the, the greatest actors we've had in the in the history of movies, and they, and they pulled it off like you would expect them to. Yeah, well, I know um, Paul Newman has, has sadly passed away, but I'm going to start the campaign for you to meet Mr. Redford. It's way overdue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank come you, on. man. Give me a hand on it. <laughs> yeah, come we, on. I played, I played a couple of times in Park City and uh, wanted, wanted a private 
private thing, and Mr. Redford's name was a, a placement was on a table in front, but he he never came. And then there, I played a theater there for a couple of days uh, called the Sundance Theater, and he was expected to attend, but he, you know he never did. And I'm sure, hey, that's you know that's that's Mr. Redford. He you know he he doesn't have to do anything, but uh, I would love to have met him. But uh, you know, hey, I was involved in, with him in a, in a wonderful movie and. You know, so I, I do feel like I've uh, I, I've met him, you know? Yeah, you're, you guys are all frozen in time together in that movie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. All right, well, enough of Butch and Sundance. Tell me more, a little bit more about how you grew up, you know, in, in Houston. And, you know, how did you actually get into music? Like, you know, what did you... What did your folks play around the house? What kind of music? Or, you know, when did you start playing yourself? <laughs> well, you know, Houston, Houston was a, a wonderful music city. And, uh, you know, they had all kinds of musicals. My dad loved country music. I grew up with the, the Grand Ole Opry and all that on the radio and that kind of thing. But uh, when I was about 12, 13, I kind of fell in love with Jackie Wilson and Bobby Bland and, and people like that. And I was a huge R&B uh, enthusiast uh, and I, I had a band when i was 15 it was not my band it was our band me and a, me and six seven other guys and uh we basically played r&b music um blues music ray charles uh bobby bland little junior parker things like that jackie wilson and uh you know i've just always loved music they tell me that i, I sang even when i was an infant so i've always loved music and i've uh, always sung sung around the as I grew up and sung in church and and so I guess I was just meant to meant to sing and it's it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah, and you referenced it earlier. You know, one of your biggest you know early hits was "Hooked on a Feeling" in 1968. Now, a lot of our listeners remember the the cover, the blue suede Uga Chugga. <laughs> but what did you make of the when you heard their version versus you know your original version? You know the original is always in my mind the you know the best. But <laughs> well, I mean I tell you, I'm not, it's hard to uh, you know I don't really have anything negative to say about that recording because I think it was a, a great production. And to be honest with you, I wasn't thrilled that uh, somebody had had covered my record that soon. I thought I thought you know two and a half three years was a little quick to cover somebody's. Record my, my record sold two two million copies, so I was proud of my of my record. And Reggie Young played the electric sitar and one of the classic sitar rides of all time. And uh, so I I, I wasn't uh, I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought it was a little quick, and it's not something I would have done. But I don't think you can deny that it, it, it was a beautiful, a great production. 
Uh, it was a number one record, and uh, my buddy, one of my best friends, Mark James, wrote it, and he made a ton of money off of it, and, uh, you know, it's all good. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, you mentioned, you know, some of your, your, your love of country music, but one of my favorite, maybe even my favorite song of yours was, Hey, won't you play another somebody <laughs> done somebody wrong? I, I Oh, it's so damn singable. Um, I think it won. Yeah, you yeah, that's one of those songs. Yeah, it was actually my first. Uh, you know, I never really had any country radio play until I did Wrong Song. It was a number one uh, a country record as well as a number one pop record. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm all, I've always kind of you know I didn't feel like I wasn't country, but I never have purpose really to to do country music. Not in the '80s when I. Uh, the music I made in the eighties after I had kind of been away from music for a number of years was purposely purposely done to, uh, to be country. But, uh, I never tried to do any one kind of music, uh, any, any genre. I just kind of natural, I was kind of a product of top 40 radio, uh, where they played everything on the same station. And that's kind of the way I approached music. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, uh, what else are you working on these days? You know, I'm trying, what what else can I maybe peg this to? That why I'm running this piece? You know, we got the 50th anniversary of Raindrops, but anything else you got in the pipeline? Or yeah, I guess well, everything's yeah. kind of shut down right now. <laughs> yeah, well, we're shut down now. It's a it's a terrible time. I had a session scheduled for Muscle Muscle Shoals, Alabama, uh, for the 15th of July that we had to put off, of course, because of the. Uh, the virus and uh, we're still all in on that and we're going to do that as soon as uh as soon as we have the vaccine and we know we're safe and we're not you know risking our lives to uh to get among the uh, society but uh, we're going to do that hopefully you know no one really knows when the when we're going to be free to get out again and it probably looks like the fall or the end of the year next year so Whenever it is, we're going into muscle shows and we're going to record some new stuff. I got some really great songs. I'm recording with uh, Dan Penn and Billy Lawson, two great uh, songwriters, and um, you know we're looking to do some good stuff. For sure. Well, uh, before we run, I know last week you just celebrated what 78th birthday, right? Happy birthday! Sir. 78 just the other day. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it feels what good. Would you- hey, you know. What would you want people right. to, I mean, you've, you've done it all and seen it all over 78 years. What would you want people to sort of, you know, remember you by? You know, they, they hear they hear the word, the name B.J. Thomas. They think of raindrops. They think of wrong song. But, you know, what? you just want them to smile back thinking at your songs or, you know, what What do you want people to remember you as? Well, hey, you know, I just want them to remember me as a, um, you know, I, I really, I don't, I really don't, I don't put a lot of stuff on the, what what people think about me? I know that uh, I, I hope they think of me as somebody who really believed what he was singing. I, that it's all about soul and emotion to me. Um, so I've tried to put that in. I've only I've tried to record things that I really believe and I, that I really feel. And uh, you know, I just hope uh, that I'm remembered as a good uh, good father, a good husband, and uh, the musical take care of his business. I kind of. <clears throat> they always lump me in uh, with my music with these light pop singers, and uh, I, I never look at my career like that. I think my songs have been meaningful. Uh, I think I've done some deep, uh, <clears throat> pretty meaningful songs. I don't think I'm a light, a light pop singer. 
like I'm uh, like I am interpreted to be in a lot of situations, but that's me. I, you know, so I put a lot of, a lot more value on uh, the effort, the emotion I put into my music maybe than people people get. But you know, that's music. It's always about the next guy and who's new and uh, and um, hey, that's the way music is. And you know, I like the new guys too. So so be it. <laughs> exactly. Final question: Do you think raindrops keep falling on my head will still be recognized fifty more years from now? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it could be. I mean, it's in the Hall of Fame. It's in the uh, Grammy Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Mr. Bacharach and Hal and I and the record. So it's there to uh, to be remembered. But uh, you know, in, in music, it, it, it's as I said, it's all about. And music is always changing, and and good songs will always be, be good songs. But uh, you know, music is different. It keeps changing. There's always different guys and new and uh, new ways of recording, and and uh, you know, yada yada. So if it's remembered, that's great. I, I hope it is, but uh, uh, we have to leave that to the to the future. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.